0: Women travel has raised many eyebrows in the past. So many doubts, so many concerns about safety, and not-so-interesting conversations. At this season of Brewing Travel Shots, we are raising conversations that are going to be progressive, giving hope, making women feel included, make them feel happy, empowered, and through these conversations, we envision nothing but inspiration. Hi, I'm your host, Zainal Doshi, the founder of The Flapper Life, an organization that curates solo journeys for women in India. This season, I'm talking to women in travel and tourism who have found creative ways of chasing and achieving their dreams of travel and creating their mark in the tourism industry. You will hear candid and unedited conversations about their experiences and some secrets of the industry too. Through the stories shared, we wish many women take the plunge, to wonder and not to wonder how. So hello everyone, hope you're doing great and having great but safe festive time. So today our episode is extremely special. Uh, There are two reasons for it being special actually because today is the last episode for season one, and uh, we are very, very excited. And uh, the second reason is that today's conversation is around the most integral part of tourism, and that is artisans and handicrafts. So yeah, we all know, we love to shop, we see them, we interact with them. And that's why we thought that the last episode of our season one has to be very, very special, something which is very close to our Indian culture, So joining me in today's conversation is um, someone who's co-creating products and experiences with artisans across India. We have a founder of Indian Craft Project with us today. So welcome to Brewing Travel Shots, Soumya. Uh, Very, very happy to have you with us today. Hi, Veena. Thank you so much for such
1: a warm introduction. I am um, beyond excited to be uh, talking to you. Uh, getting to know the flapper life and how you started your journey as well. Um, All the more excited because with the India Craft Project also, we focus on experiences and travel is something that has been integral to our research process as well. Really looking forward to this conversation with you.
0: Great. So, um, you know, before we get started, I think I want you to tell uh, the audience today. So what exactly does Indian Craft Project do?
1: So in the India Craft Project is, um, we summarize our work uh, by saying that we come at the intersection of design, consultancy, and experiences. Very briefly put, design is where we are co-creating gifts and uh, innovative products with the artisans across crafts, across um, India. And uh, consultancy is where we try to upskill our network of artisans and ourselves. This is where during the pandemic, we help them create catalogs. We help artisans with photography workshops, um, with tweaking products. We also act as artisan managers for different campaigns. Uh, experiences is where we offer our gifting experiences and online workshops. So essentially, it's a mixed bag. It's a portfolio of all things anchored to the craft community. Wow,
0: that's I mean, it's sounding very different. I've never heard, uh, you know, work around uh, artisans in this particular manner. So how did you actually get started with I- ICP? How did the idea generate? And tell us something more about yourself also. Okay, that's a loaded question. Uh, so there's a lot
1: to, I mean, to anybody's journey and experience for that matter and how PICP ICP also has been a culmination of all of those things. Um, To give you all context of where I come from, I studied visual communication and brand strategy. And I come from an army background. So I had it in me to sort of go with my mom and do family welfare. in the army circles. We would have 50 to 60 families each day. And uh, while my dad was taking care of the men and uh, planning their work, Uh, It was my mom's sort of duty to take care of the family welfare so that if all is good in the house, uh, the men can be, you know, at work um, absolutely fearless and doing what they have to do. So we went with a very problem-solving kind of an attitude. And that was ingrained in me, which I realized much later. And during the course of my college, I enjoyed, uh, as an illustrator, I enjoyed telling stories. I used to like telling stories of people in their spaces, having moved across many cities, changed eight schools. um, I started observing people before, you know, I would take the plunge and make friends and do that hard work. So observing people became something I did uh, through my illustrations as well. And um, um, after doing a bit of branding and strategy, which I still love doing, Uh, The last two years of college, I delved deeper, went to the grassroots, I had great mentors, and we did some very exciting projects, which were beyond uh, a physical product. This was like an A to Z product. And the beauty of designing for the grassroots is that you're designing for people's needs, not for their wants so much. There is instant feedback, instant gratification. And you know that there is a bigger purpose behind it. You're not trying to please anyone because they are very blunt with their feedback. Um, The clients are very, um, you know, solution oriented. And that is the beauty of it. That design is not a trickle down, but it's direct for them. So that's how I would sum up my journey and what has, you know, despite working across advertising media and working with a lot of uh, private companies, going back to grassroots was, it just felt
0: like home. Wow. So, you know, I'm not surprised because you, you come from a family, uh, you know, family of army and uh, you know, I have always been very, very fascinated. Let me tell you uh, with an Mm -hmm. army background. Uh, So uh, I, I always feel because you, you have one of the most beautiful experiences because you all shift cities uh very often which I think a layman doesn't get a, a chance to do that I mean from a traveler's perspective I think people love that right that you're hopping yeah. different cities you're actually seeing different cultures and you actually get to live that also right like right. To, to a great extent yeah. so no wonder i'm not surprised you are into uh definitely uh into artisans and handicrafts so uh okay. but but yeah quite. Uh, very happy with the whole uh, uh, the whole way how ICP has kind of uh, shaped up, and I'm very very uh, interested to know more about it. Like especially, you know, it speaks about works of for art, craft, or uh, even humanities. So how how mm-hmm. are you blending rural tourism into it? Like, uh, are there more tourism aspects to it?
1: Okay, so um, this is right before the pandemic hit us um my experiences once i left my job and decided to go back to the field i wasn't sure if you know the india craft project was going to be something uh it didn't have a name uh we used to call it um the hunar project back then
0: um
1: and the idea was to just be a fly on the wall and poofed off all my savings i went across six states different craft clusters in each state and just to learn. Uh, for the longest time, I pondered on, you know, the different kinds of colleges that I could go to for my master's, scholarship hay course available hay hai, course description kaisa hai, what is on, you know, what is in theory, what is actually going to happen in class and all that money that's going to go into it. And now today I can see that, uh, at least I do say this to myself, that PICP has been my master's. In so many ways, there's so much real learning and you would know that. When you see things right. on ground, um, you know, in uh, you know, one plus one is supposed to be two. But when you're on ground, nobody cares. Uh, like you said, relationships, collaborations are all very tricky. So in yeah. terminology, all this is great. But when you have to actually bear the brunt of last minute cancellations and fixing things and having a plan A, B, C, D in place, um it's just quite a reality check and then like we were discussing when you're stuck with it for say two years three years you sort of tell yourself that this is why I went into it and that why that intention that you set usi ke you want to you know see it through you want to make something of it because you've put in so much right it. so um when I went to field, my idea was very clear. It's going to be a flan the wall. We don't know what's going to come out of it. And um, when we when I did travel, I found I came back with a bunch of observations. And I found that um, what I took back from it was who I traveled with, what I learned from them, uh, who we hitchhiked with, what we ate on the way, uh, the villager that we stay, uh, you know stayed with, people who helped us who didn't even know us and uh, then it was the craft community and then it was a craft that I got hands-on with so it wasn't just the product but the product became more like a representation slash souvenir of everything that I had experienced and that is something that I wanted to share with people uh, back mm-hmm. then I didn't have a lot of experience organizing events so initially we did one day workshops with Zardozi artisan ji, and uh, this was in old Delhi and uh, we got quite a few entries. I remember somebody challenged us. One of my mentors challenged me. you are is Sounds very nice. But who will come? People want food. So we designed something very safe. We designed a walk which included your um, Dilli Darshan. Old Dilli Darshan. Not too much of a walk also in case people get tired too soon. Then we included the main Zardozi workshop. And while coming back, there was some food element there. Uh, what I was scared of was things like people would be intimidated by the craft. They would get bored. What if they don't get along? Stuff like that, which um, I was surprised that people enjoyed it. Uh, the best part for me was people making their logos in the dozi, You know, trying to incorporate a part of themselves in the craft. And even better was people picking up products from there directly. Uh, so there's that element of uh, authenticity because you are picking it up directly from who has made it uh price point wise also you're not questioning it because you've tried it for yourself and you understand what goes into it and uh you know you made new friends of it from our first um workshop we have people who are still friends and who have groups on whatsapp meet or or meet often and that's that was the best feedback for us we wanted to continue that but that's when we were hit by the pandemic and we decided to pivot and adapt and do everything possible uh, for the artisan community, because these are our team members. So, yeah, I mean, uh, also to just summarize, uh, and answer your question, uh, about how I see crafts and tourism. I, that's how I see it. I see it as an extension of rural tourism. Somewhere where people feel challenged ki hum kuch naya kuch naya because product design ya craft karna easy You may, know that you know Ratan or Kane is this flexible but only till you do it for yourself will you know maybe you create something else uh, maybe um you're pushing the boundaries for yourself maybe you make something really good and can carry it as a souvenir maybe a person could discover something out of it and make you know start a business out of it so a lot of takeaways can happen individually from one such tour or trip
0: Absolutely I think uh, uh, it, it is more like a community travel like what you just beautifully said that you know it is not only about the product it is actually everything surrounded to the product the experience the people you meet who actually to, you to, took you for a, a drive uh, to the place talking yeah. to the artisans the food guy everything you know it's actually whenever we also travel it's never about you know, women love shopping, right? But it's never about shopping. It is actually about Mm -hmm. the person behind what the person has done. uh, How is that craft actually come into? And I'm sure women are more keen, um, you know, to know what is actually going behind uh, that product. So I remember when we were in, uh, I'll share one experience with you. So Mm -hmm. when we were in uh, Bhutan and uh, we had one of our flapper and she was very, interested in knowing uh the knitting because maybe she was doing it herself uh the knitting uh, stuff for her own self mm-hmm. and uh Bhutanese were doing it in a different manner okay so she saw one of the lady at the shop she was knitting something for her family she actually sat down and she was learning it okay oh, yeah. so uh, obviously that is something uh you know ex- exchange of your knowledge and mm-hmm. learning something new when you are uh, when you are actually meeting the artisan. Now that could be you know crochet work, that could be zardosi work, that could be anything, uh-huh. right? So I I personally also believe that crafts, handicrafts, and travel is absolutely the most most integral uh, uh, pieces together. I mean, you know,
1: vinal just to add to that also, it's yeah. such an obvious connect of crafts and travel because if you see. In Turkey and in Jaipur, the kind of blue pottery. I mean, it's all, uh, even Zardozi, you'll see it in so many countries. It's come from somewhere, right? It's mm-hmm. come, some traveler has gone to a different country, different continent, come back with certain souvenirs, some things, people have adapted to it. So so many cultured are borrowed cultures. Borrowed and I'd say adapted to, you know, your Indian context. bird <laughs> you adapt to Indian bird, which is in another country. And how it's been adapted, that is, I think, the beauty of any art form for
0: that matter, because you see the cultural context in it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Samir, tell me so now that you have uh, been to different places, so tell me more about artisans, like who are who are your part, uh, part of your community and How is actually ICP supporting them and bringing a difference in their lives?
1: So, uh, amongst other things, uh, one of the most, uh, one key value is people currency that we have at TICP. ICP. And people currency essentially is, you know, people being a currency. And uh, it's everybody who's involved in it that makes the organization. And uh, so I one another important thing for me personally is the creative learning curve i feel like um, because this is an artisan uh, community it is a creative community and despite of course there are other uh, you know issues that need to be dealt with consistent business unorganized sector etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, one thing that keeps us going and does keep the younger generation especially engaged is the creative learning curve So, even when we travel to these communities, our communication was clear um, that as we say, we are not saying that we are not saying that artisans, children should be artisans only and they should continue. You have that freedom to choose and why would you want to choose it? Because you see some creativity in it, you feel like there is scope. mele uh, and you see there is a difference in the work that a madhubani artist will also do from uh, compared to the big detailed artwork which is based on a story on a particular concept which is worth a lot of money which people may not buy versus the 100 rupee wale jo bhi patches here that they are making in like hurried strokes. an artist like me or anybody else can see it but a person a customer would buy it because one it's affordable two, um, they're doing their bit. That's what they feel like. But for an artist, he feels mil rahe. but after a point, you feel a little underappreciated because you feel like creativity is what drives you and that you're not getting a chance to you know, make money off. So um, one is that TSCP. we are trying to develop a model to solve this problem, wherein an artist can focus on you know, one particular illustration piece and then have it as an investment uh, with the whole, you know, H&M and Sabesachi printing and versus handmade issue. Uh, we want to go ahead and be able to make a platform where we can work with artisans, collaborate with them on concept-based art and then produce XYZ things with it, with like a royalty system. We're calling it a SAC model. So that is something that will, I feel like, if, you know, we are able to develop it better, we're going to have conversations around it with the community, involve artisans in the discussion. If something like this does work out, then it has the potential to really help the artisan economy in the future. And it's something that brands can emulate. It's obviously not going to be stored at TICP that this is, you know, it has our rights. We want to put a copy left on it. And we want artisans to be able to produce their work. And this comes from the context of me being an illustrator, how, as an illustrator, I would take 20 days, you know, two weeks, whatever, to complete one particular artwork, have my original with me because you're so close to your artwork at the same time, get like a recurring earning from your, the printed copies that you're selling. And of right. course, justify it well, because you have to draw that line between handmade and what is printed. So I Absolutely. think one is that where TICP is constantly trying to innovate and see what is not being done and what is the need of the art, like for future. And the second thing would be constant skill building. Like we said, I have a focus, personal focus on uh, keeping an increased creative learning curve. So with the photography workshops that we're talking about, creating catalogs, tweaking already existing products with no copyrights. So things like those we constantly keep doing. And the third kind of thing would be uh, doing some exciting projects which are in new sectors. For example, we recently, Worked with a folk artist, Rajasthani miniature artist, and we created a uh, created an animation for a wedding invite. There was a small project for us to also explore that domain, and for the artisan also to see the final product. Um, it was great uh, to see how excited he was to you know see how it's come out to be from flat drawings to edited animations, and um, see. So yeah, we constantly try to balance it with new things that keep us all excited
0: very nice I I uh what like you spoke about something uh which has kind of uh, uh you know grabbed my attention that mm-hmm. you said you don't force uh you know the, obviously the artisan's child to uh, yeah. get into artisan work right mm-hmm. so uh, my my next question to you is going to be that any, I'm sure there are so many artworks, especially in India, in Indian culture, must have kind of got banished from Indian history. Yeah. Uh, how does one ensure that all the great artwork that India has, how do we ensure that they kind of don't die? And is there is there any artwork which you believe has kind of died and needs revival or awareness, especially with help of tourism? um
1: with the help of tourism i think so i have thought about this a lot and i think quite a few people in this sector have had these conversations oh, i'm just going to put forth my personal views on it sure. and i'm happy to get um you know any feedback or counter on it from any, anybody who's listening for that matter sure or, you know so there are kinds of crafts one are very accessible crafts where the s- sourcing of the material is Difficult, but not that difficult. Ismei, you can include all your one paintings uh, where the transition has been from natural colors to chemical colors now, and you know, revivalists are trying to uh, justify costs of natural colors so that artists can go back to that. Right. And that is one area of the craft. The other area of crafts would be like, like a Bidri or a Matani pacheri, for example. These are detailed, intricate story oriented uh, difficult sourcing wise material wise kind of crafts they take a long time bidri uses silver pure silver so it's expensive compared to you know other normal things that you would buy and uh, at the same time matani pacheli is ancient there are only a couple of families doing it now and it's um, it was considered as you know making like a mobile temple on a piece of cloth. This was especially started Pabu Bhad and matani Pacheri. These two craft uh, crafts were started because uh, Dalits were not allowed in temples. And so they made these paintings, these intricate paintings of a story of a local hero or a local mata. Uh, and they would there would be a couple taking these around. Uh, especially with Papuji ji there would be a couple taking it around, community of people sitting, of the lower caste who were not invited at the temples. And the woman would take the laltain to a particular scene that the husband is singing about. But this was local heroes. Ki, uh, bare mein hota tha. So for the longest time, when Papuji ji was trying, you was know, trying, people were trying to revive it. Because abhi bhi aapko jo bhi pieces dikhenge, they are in museums one very rare piece i recently saw on my visit to uh, rajasthan who was a musician family i found at a hotel and uh, the hotel owners also didn't know that they were you know that they had a pabujika pad is a piece of cloth, okay. and um um so i mean that's how you discover it because they also don't talk about it for them it's an everyday thing so it's very one important to make them understand again believe in what they were doing again make them believe in what they were doing tell them the importance of it today and uh coming back to my point of how difficult it was to revive it because uh mobile temple tha, they didn't want to perform it like a performance to anyone
0: right.
1: uh they used to you know get um requests from London and from outside of India when revivalists, you know, try really hard to network. But even despite these invitations, they didn't want to go for the longest time, till there was a point where they were, you know, desperate for resources and money and survival. And they decided to take the plunge. And even now the condition is not that great, because how many of such, you know, invites can, how many PAD artists get? So in that case, part artists now have, you know, started innovating. They've also started painting on A4, A5, all these sizes that people would buy. And so they have adapted. Coming to the point of youngsters, how do you engage youngsters also in these crafts? They are dying and youngsters are the only ones who can, you know, carry it forward. So my usual argument to them, argument, discussion to them is that there are so many things around a startup. Right. Treat your, if you were to treat your craft as a startup you know there's marketing you know there's social media you make reels you can put pictures online people are connecting with artisans today directly on instagram right. communication still is a little difficult but these kids since kids will manage instagram it'll be faster if you know the older right. generation manages you know how our parents find a tough time doing that so if kids take over just to market what they have, some of them might discover an interest and would, you know, want to do it anyway. Are uh, also my advice to parents who are artisans is always he up, you know, educate them, uh, but also teach them the craft. It's yeah. something they could do on the side. It's something they can assist you with, uh, you know, as a sous chef, you assist them with uh, whatever that the child can do in the house. And so they know what they're doing. And if tomorrow they want a technology on their side or some business experience, they should have that also to incorporate in the business.
0: Right. I mean, I, I feel it's so important to just at times go back to old school, right? Like, you know, seeing an art uh, or any handicraft uh, dying, you know, and especially when it's it's very beautiful and it's something of talks about Indian culture, mm-hmm. it kind of truly hurts. Right, that, okay, why Why is this art dying? Why, I mean, we can do something about it, right? So I, I feel that, uh, you know, even as tourism or even from ICP perspective, that uh, what, you, what you just rightly said that we, we should educate the parents that, you know, you should definitely make your generation learn about your artwork, what you are famous for. Mm-hmm. And obviously take that ahead because I'm sure, After a few years, if we don't find them, trust me, we Mm -hmm. we all are going to be like, oh, my God, we have not even learned it. We don't know about it. And Mm -hmm. then somebody from outside India will come and make us learn. That's what happened with yoga also. Mm -hmm. Right. Precisely in India that India was one or whatever. I think that there was some another country who claimed that yoga was generated uh, or kind of got originated from their country. Mm -hmm. Even if that was the case, today I see more international, uh, uh, you know, people following it than India and they come in and uh, they teach us how to do yoga. That's always uh, the
1: case. I think as Indians, we are very, uh, we just take things for granted. And you always want a good deal. And you feel very proud of how you bargained at what you, you know, whatever you bought but for you to be truly empathetic tomorrow you can't say government ne ne kia, Government ko ye karna but you are a part of that ecosystem you have to do your bit and uh if you see a gap maybe volunteer with somebody if you have a skill set but you don't know where to start volunteer with you know one of the organizations that needs people in their workforce and um one also very interesting uh, observation I had from my research visits was that whole idea of development. When we say that artisan sector is bigger or not, development? Hai. So for me, development earlier was, um, you know, them making a certain amount of money from their craft. When I reached this village called Hodo with one of my friends, she was very excited for me to see it because she'd been there, I think, five, six years ago. And she said, Somya, you know, this is that village where lippan, ka lippan is mud and mirror, mirror work.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which
1: I'm sure most of us have seen. So if you Google it, you'll see it. But yeah. it's supposed to have, you know, Dordo was one place jhaan uh, Lippan ka kaam But the moment we reached there, uh, everything was whitewashed. Everything felt whitewashed. We were talking to the Sarpanch. Um, we felt disappointed. So the Sarpanj was extremely proud and he said, So there are very okay. few one or two bhangas now, which Modi had visited, yeah. uh, he was made to sit in that special bhanga. But it's that special now, it's not, and that is their idea of development. So that is when that whole. um you know, conversation of no forcing that artisan will become artisan, but how can you motivate them to be that? Absolutely. That's when the creative learning curve
0: conversation came about. Yeah, and I think uh, it is also very important to show them the development in true sense. Like what you said is that if even the artisan's family sees that growth within their own uh, artist or the artwork that they are doing, they yeah. will be very motivated to do it and carry forward like, you know, the the generation of social media, right? So yeah. if uh, today, whatever artwork they're doing, and if they can sell directly on social media by themselves, mm-hmm. I think that would be great motivation for them. Like, so obviously, yeah. I and I would see that as a biggest development where, uh, you know, the while I'm going to uh, get something, uh, you know, in my next question, which is related to this, But I feel that that will be the true development of the artisan network where they can sell at the price what they are comfortable and what they want. I mean, that would be the best thing. Right. So, Soumya, coming to uh, the next question is -hmm. is that, do you... So, I mean, I see a lot of people talking about artisans, okay? Of course, there are very few people uh, like who... Uh, you who are actually doing a very uh, uh, you know, detailed work with them. But today, especially in the pandemic, everyone was talking about artisans that, oh, I want to do, I want to buy directly from there and from them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's support them. Let's do something for them, blah, blah. Do mm-hmm. you think it is overdone? One. Second, do you think that actual help is reaching out to them? Reaching out to who? The artisan.
1: Okay. Um. So I think I'm going to take this opportunity to also talk about this group that uh, formed during the pandemic. Uh, okay. It's uh, called Creative Dignity. And a lot of us individual uh, designers, organizations, NGOs sort of came together during the pandemic to collectively pool in all our resources, all our skill sets and work towards whatever needed to be done to save the sector. So whether it was healthcare to uh, products uh, or dead stock that needed to be cleared, um, any online sale, anything, uh, it was just a very supportive community. And uh, even the photography workshops and all that we did, there were two, three other organizations also doing it. Because of course you can't cover, uh, I mean, this is the second largest employed sector which is the artisan sector. You can't possibly cover it with one or two or three organizations. And which is when uh, it gave us all, um, all these organizations, uh, new organizations, foundation it gave us all a very, it felt like, you know, we had a backbone. We had some support and it was each other. And artisans also, I feel like, felt a little secured. They did not completely feel, uh, ki ye hum, matlab, manage nahi kar they knew if we reached out, we try karega, but karega. So that way, I feel like people are helping. There are genuine organizations and individuals who are doing their bit. Uh, of course, there is no, um, uh, you know, we, we need more people. That is, you know, needless to say, because um, you can't essentially cover the kind of audience that we need to cover. But um also we need more corporate so even individuals who are in corporate sectors can engage these artisans in projects because they have the you know money pool. Uh they have their CSRs. So I feel like they have that responsibility where uh if they say that they're consciously inclined towards helping in any way, then they must. They um I mean I know I've had conversations with procurement managers where they say ki haap, uh, you know 100 mein hume, uh gifts bana ke de do, but and what they want also is very rich and intricate in work so 100 mein, you can't really make anything and what do you want the artisan to make so pay up material cost jale jale so when you say you're consciously you know making an effort and you want sustainable you want to help artisans you have to also empathize with what goes into it when it comes to uh, costing especially I remember also three kinds of fundraisers we did during the pandemic. One was where um, we were helping out individual artists where we gave our, made their catalog, gave it to people and we said, you can de- directly contact the artist and here are the bank details and you can order your piece in whatever size you want, etc. And there were stages where the artist said, I'm not able to manage, you know, phone calls and people. So we the stepped in as artisan managers with no cut, nothing expecting because um, that was a phase where we just wanted to help in any way possible, um, but we still had people questioning us, and we still have you know had people saying, kiska cost itna hai it should be less," and then I would buy two and stuff like that. And we tried to make it very clear account details are you know this. So there's so much questioning that happens, which I appreciate honestly. I feel like customers should keep questioning organizations, but when it comes to costing, it becomes a little tricky. All the wanting to help and all becomes a little uh, faded there. And cost is actually not even uh, that much. Costs can always be customized as per designs. So I feel like people should not feel burdened when they try to work with the artisan sector. They should ask a lot of questions. I always encourage that. But at the same time, be open to you know what the artisan or the organization working with artisans also has to offer you in terms of customization of uh, designs when people say that i want to contribute uh, i would not say that it's overdone but i would question you know how are you saying it for fashion or are you saying it because you genuinely mean it because it should translate into action and that's, as an organization, I mean, I'm nobody, nobody to judge. Any support is good support for us. Because if you're just talking about it, at least you're, you know, 50 people are viewing your stories. Now, at least the conversation gets going. So any help is good help. But if you genuinely want to help, then uh, I think people should be more open to uh, working with artists.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's very important uh, what you what you also said that obviously more number of hands is always good because artisans genuinely need that support and i feel artisans need uh more social media coverage i would say because people uh you know how it works with story if if anybody one person puts it out you know at least at least 50 are going to ask that okay how did this happen where did you buy and stuff yeah, so obviously that's that's very uh, well uh, taken also. But I just feel that uh, I think that when you are uh, talking about the cost perspective also, I think it is very important to understand the effort that goes on to the artwork and then, uh, you know, price it or ask for a discount or ask whatever the bargain has to go on to the price. Because if we don't understand the effort that goes in making that product, I don't think we will ever be able to value the artisan system completely in yeah. India. So so uh, it is, and that's where I think ICP comes into the picture where, uh, you know, doing workshops to just understand that what it actually means to do that or to perform yeah. that artwork. So um, yeah, I think uh, kudos to uh, to you and the entire artwork community who's doing a amazing work in bringing that artwork back in India is what, what I would say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so Samir, you are also working on something, uh, A to Z artwork project. Uh, yeah. can you throw some light onto it? What is it all about? And, uh, like, yeah. So, um, so A to Z, uh,
1: craft alphabets was something that actually we started with, uh, when I was making that transition from, um. Uh, you know, being an illustrator and design strategist to now going on field and doing my research on crafts, I felt like um brand strategy wise, I felt like, okay, let's just start making this community, which thinks like me. And uh, I definitely want to, you know, I have all these observations and I have all these images that I want to share with people that I've got. So out of interest, again, not knowing what it would become, if it would become anything, this was out of personal interest that, Uh, There's a common trend that happens on Instagram called 36 days of type. And uh, on my personal page, I used to do a lot of those. Even for the companies I worked with, it became like a trend that, okay, Somya is going to do this this year. So I felt like, why not for, you know, my project? Why not for the India Craft project? And so that was an amalgamation between something that I felt comfortable doing and something that, you know, put me in an uncomfortable zone, which was this new project that I had taken up. So it was a mix between the two and that's how the A to Z uh, craft illustration
0: series uh, came about. Right. That's that's amazing. I've seen that artwork, uh, Somyan. and it looks looks amazing for sure. Thank so you. Uh, coming, uh, coming to sustainability and, you know, innovation, I think these are the most uh, important buzzwords. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I want to talk obviously from a positive uh, buzzword note that, so what do you think in a life of an artisan, where does tourism industry play a role now? And mm-hmm. what do you think can, can be done better from tourism side of you? Um, so I think
1: how it plays a role is very simple. It is a very important alternate income stream for artisans, for sure. Because um, a lot of artisans change fields. Uh, they go towards daily labor work, don't daily wages, mil jate hai, at least secured karm there. Um, so a lot of people leave their you know artisanal work to families uh, generations, se, they leave that. A lot of people don't. Now, a lot of people who don't, there are two kinds of those people. One who genuinely, you know, see scope and want to get somewhere with the craft. Uh, and two, people who say that that's why I'm doing this, that's why I'm doing this. There are people who in their travels want to be uh, challenged, want to learn something new, want to have solid takeaways uh, and want to have authentic experiences. And when I say authentic, I mean, you know, going to these grassroots and not just sugarcoating it, that you've expensive pe gai, you've called an artisan there, at least for the young adults. Right. Uh, so different audiences I'm sure can take away parts of these different experiences and with all of these, uh, what in turn happens is that the artisan gets exposure. Like you said, uh, there is always an exchange of stories between the participants, the traveler and the artisans. And um, like we discussed, any product or any craft is, you know, cross-cultural. It has some hints of uh, borrowed cultures. So True. that is how an artist or an artisan develops their design because they exchange ideas. There are stories They say, we something like Turkey we here. We something They'll exchange pictures or they'll exchange ideas and something new will come up. And that's a great source of inspiration and motivation for the artisan. Another thing right. that I... Why I keep saying young adults is because my focus area was that. It was also when I realized that when I was traveling to these um, villages, I was meeting a lot of older people. Older people, not, not, I mean, all kinds of people, but not youngsters, not people my age, not in their 20s, also, maybe after 25, stuff like that. So, uh, what I realized was when I went to these um, craft communities, a lot of youngsters came out and they were also curious. you yeah, she looks young while she come to seeing the craft, while she uh, working here or come here, why uh, so matlab, there must be something important here. There must be some scope here. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like when the younger generation sees uh, the urban younger generation also interacting with the craft, something they see every day, something that's maybe monotonous to them now, yeah. they will believe in the scope of that craft a little more. And maybe they will see more potential in it. Or at least they will engage in it. engagement right. is up to them. But I think these are the two important things for me. One is the economy. And second is the inspirational, motivational aspect.
0: Yeah, I think I think I totally agree with the inspirational and motivational fact that it is very, very uh, important. And I think tourism uh, plays a direct role in life of artisan because probably it's it's one of the bread and butters which comes through tourism right like for them into their daily life yeah. so so uh, that's amazing so this brings brings us to the last question uh, of the conversation today mm-hmm. and so what is your three shots of advice to women especially who are into uh, you know creative field artist and who want to build uh, in anything into sustainability like a sustainability model i think uh my three shots
1: of advice to anyone for that matter would be uh, definitely be open to unlearning so unlearn uh, unlearn, uh trust the process and uh take baby steps okay, why okay. i the last one take baby steps is because i feel like that really makes you mindful of what you're doing of the small steps that you're taking you tend to put more love into them and in the future you do churn out something good but just have that patience so take baby steps Trust the process because anything is i mean like we were also discussing we took two years or three years to maybe you know have that foundation built so you have to trust the process and know that no kind of learning is going to go to waste
0: right thank you so much soumya i think uh, these are very very important uh, advices and i think i totally believe in them so thank you so much for joining us today thank you for it's doing so what awesome. you're doing uh, soumya because i know it it is not going to be easy for sure it it has not been easy and it will not be easy but yeah you keep believing in the process and um, uh, you know bring out the best uh, for the indian uh, craft project
1: definitely thank you so much Zinal for having me and uh, uh, you know for having this conversation me
0: giving me all the time I would love to be your flapper very soon would love to host you absolutely I mean I'm I, I think we should definitely do some something very soon so, so thank you and I look forward to hosting you soon